Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Hello and welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. Hi, I'm Jamie Smith. I'm a football writer and I follow Burnley. Hi, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can get me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. All right, thanks so much for joining us, guys, on the New Year's Eve recording of the EPL Roundtable. I suppose it's New Year's Day by the time people will be hearing it there, so Happy New Year to all the listeners out there. Um, want to open up just kind of recapping 2017 as it was. Uh, what were some of your guys' favorite footballing moments, whether it be from uh, your club or, or country or anything like that? Well, I've got a pretty terrible memory, so I can't think any further back than Boxing Day. Um, Stephen Defoe, free kick at Old Trafford. <laughs> Absolutely sensational strike. Um, it's a bit of a cliche, but I think if, if one of the, the top players, one of the big names had done something like that, they'd be talking about it for weeks and weeks, probably. Um, to beat a player like David De Gea, probably the best goalkeeper in the world right now, uh, from about 30 yards out, just a sensational strike, really. And he's not really known for the set pieces either, Stephen Defoe. Um, the fact that they put us 2 up at Manchester United as well, doubly special. It's a shame that we couldn't hold on, but Manchester Manchester United have got so much more in terms of resources, despite what Jose Mourinho might say when he talks to the press. I think 2-2 at Old Trafford, still a very good result and indicative, really, of the, the progress that Burnley have made over the year as a whole. And specifically, away from home, Manchester United away was one of the only results last season that we didn't lose on the road and we've managed to finish the year by getting a draw there again yeah that free kick was absolutely sublime i think i saw at the time you mentioned that it had to be a free perfect free kick and it was yeah yeah i think um it was right in the postage stamp wasn't it if it had been any wider it hit the post and if it hadn't been quite as far in the corner then De Gea would have saved it so i think it had to be exactly there for it to go in yeah, completely agree with you. Any other non-Burnley moments that particularly stick out to you this season? Obviously, Man City's run has been incredible. Seeing it come to an end today was interesting. I don't think Palace were the team a lot of people would have expected to do that. Um, but I thought Palace did a fantastic job. City weren't at their best, but Roy Hodgson's got Palace set up extremely well. I think they've lost one in their last ten. Um and obviously they had a chance to win the game as well with the penalty at the end, although you could argue that that shouldn't have been a penalty, so justice was done. Um, but yeah, watching Man City so far this season has been a joy, really, although we were on the end of a, a fairly heavy defeat at the Etihad ourselves. In terms of specific moments from from City, I think Raheem's late winner, which game was that? Where he scored right at the end, practically the last game of the game. I think that was probably a, a real sign that this City team have staying power. They've been tested for the first time in that little run where they had a couple of late winners back-to-back and the Sterling goal, I think, was also a sign of the, the development of the player, a player that all England supporters will hope have a very has a very good World Cup as well. 
Yeah, coming to you now, Dan. We we haven't had you on in uh, quite some time. Uh, so interested to get your take on, on a lot of what has happened with Arsenal in 2017, particularly any moments that you're very fond of. Uh, well, first, football as a whole, I'm American and an Arsenal fan, so it's been mostly bad. Um, <laughs> but the FA Cup win was nice. That was fun. Same with the semifinal win. Those were a bit too good moments. Yeah, you mentioned the U.S. missing out. Obviously, that is a thing that was... Yeah, that was really bad. That was get blackout drunk the next night drunk, bad. But, you know, that's what America does now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, right. Oh, oh. I was like, oh, it hasn't been that bad for us. Uh, but I suppose uh, it's, the European... 2017, night. the calendar year really hasn't been great. Yeah. Um, there have been some, like... The layup, I think up win was great. Um, it's been a weird season. Um yeah, it's not been great overall. And the last half of last season was really bad um, until the last, like, five games where we just ran into a bunch of teams that weren't trying. Yeah, missing Champions League, obviously the low light of uh, 2017, probably there uh, for yeah. Arsenal. Um, for uh, me, uh, Tottenham's run in the Champions League this year has just been phenomenal. Going into it, I remember uh, talking to Seifu, who's our editor, for those that don't know, Um who's also a Tottenham supporter, about uh, our Champions League draw when it happened. And I basically said, we have to beat Dortmund at home to make it out of this group. Because if we got points against Dortmund uh, and then just match their results against Real Madrid, we'd be fine. And then Zeva pointed out, that was our first game in the Champions League? So, like, so you're saying if we lose our first game, it's over. I was like, nah, maybe, kind of. Um, but then we got the huge win there against Dortmund. And then um, we we uh, kicked down Apoel's doors a little bit. And then the Madrid matches, which ended up being a draw, which was incredible. Harry Winks uh, kind of bossing a midfield with Luka Modric in it. Felt like some weird, sick revenge that was fantastic. And then obviously the reverse leg where we ended up beating them. Della Ali's return uh, to the team in the Champions League after he was suspended for the first three due to a really, really dumb uh, red card uh, that happened in the Europa League last season. Um, oh, that was also in 2017, funnily enough. Um, but yeah, the, that that whole Champions League run was just more than than I think any of us ever expected. Did we expect it to come at such sacrifice as our Premier League form? Uh, not really, but we're still in touching distance of the top four. And, and as uh, Pochettino said, comparatively, we're not on that we're not that much worse off in the Premier League. The big difference, obviously, is that we are advancing to the next round of the Champions League, uh, where we're going to face Juventus, which is going to be crazy. Um, but for, for 2017, I'd say another Kane Golden boot, uh, and then obviously the Champions League uh, run has been a great joy to behold, much like Dan, the American disappointment. And listen, I, I kind of back two national teams, the other one being Netherlands, and they missed it as well. And I feel like the point of getting to have two national teams is you're a little bit covered there, bases-wise, um, but apparently But now not. it's just straight depression. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, will be interesting to see watching a lot of things as a neutral, although England's group should be very interesting for Tottenham fans on the whole, especially people without a country to represent, as that's the majority of our starting 11 all in the same group. Um, next up... The, the night the U.S. missed out of the World Cup was so funny until it really wasn't. Yeah, the, oh, that's very accurate. Like, the whole the game... Time, it was so just like, funny, oh, and then like, oh my god, this is actually happening. Yeah. Oh, like, obviously America's going to turn it around, and then other results were going our way, and then spun well, around. And yeah, then the other results were like against the two other hardest teams in the in the um, in Concacaf against what was it, Costa Rica yeah. and Mexico. It's like this can't go that wrong. It could be like yep. not great, but it can't go that wrong. No, oh, it did. Oh no, I no. think it's still funny. Oh, it's <laughs> objectively, <laughs> it's funny. Objectively, it's funny. But as someone yeah. who now has like World Cup's going to be significantly less fun. 
it's not, that makes it less funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jamie, totally understand why externally it would be hilarious. Internally, it's extremely, it's laugh out loud on the floor funny. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, next up, the more recent news uh, is obviously Liverpool signing Virgil van Dijk uh, for £75 million. Pounds. Uh, what do you guys make of that signing? Yeah, I think it's interesting for a couple of reasons. Firstly, obviously, that Liverpool tried to get him in the summer, couldn't get him because they'd tapped him up illegally and had to apologise, allegedly, whatever. They definitely did. Uh, <laughs> went back in for him. Managed to beat off Man City to sign him by the looks of it. Although, I suspect if City had really wanted Van Dijk, they'd have probably got him. Um, having first-team football at Liverpool is probably a factor as well. He wouldn't have been guaranteed to play at City, I suppose, when everyone's available. Um but I'm not sure it's, it's going to be as simple as putting a new defender in and it just fixes everything. I think I think the way the way Liverpool set up puts a lot of pressure on their defence. None of their midfielders are particularly defensive. Um, they don't protect the defence very well. Whichever goalkeeper they play behind the defence is a problem. Carries Mignolet, neither of those goalkeepers are good enough. So, again, I think that's pressure on the defence. Pressure from in front, pressure from behind. Um, and individually, they're just not good enough. Van Dijk's only one player. He's not four players or five players. They need to replace the whole defence and the goalkeeper for me. I don't think any of their players are really good enough for certainly a title challenge and arguably top four um, as well. And you can only rely on, on Mo Salah doing it at the other end so much, I think. At some point, he's going to have a bad run of form. Liverpool's problems at the back are going to become more costly. Um, so Van Dijk will improve Liverpool, that's obvious, but they need to defend as a team much better than they do at the moment. And they need to protect the defence a lot better. And until they do that, they're going to keep conceding much more goals than a team in that position in the league should. Yeah, no, I've been... Similar boat. Um, I mean, Klopp's system is just, it's hyper-aggressive pressing, and they do a very good job of um, making sure the other team doesn't get a lot of shots, but the shots they do give up tend to be good ones. Uh, having better defenders means they'll get bailed out for a few more of those chances, but a one defender isn't going to fix everything. Um, he does, a, I forget who, I think it's it's one of the Liverpool stats people that I see on Twitter all the time. I think it's Dan Kennett, but I'm not sure. I could be wrong there. Don't quote me, but he's done... I've seen some numbers have put there. Liverpool is very, are very, very weak to high balls, both on set pieces and non set pieces. And Van Dyke is just stupidly good in the air, like not just for Premier League, for the world. Oh, yeah. So yeah. As, back, as far back as data nuts. goes. Yeah, no, it's, it's insane. So he will help with that weakness. Um, but Liverpool's always just the way Klopp sets him up, which is like it's a risk reward thing. It helps him attacking a lot and it, it does suppress shots in general but the shots they give up can be very good because they're so aggressive with their pressing. There's always going to be a chance given up. Van Dijk will just help, one, make fewer individual errors on his own end, and then hopefully sweep up a few of the good opportunities they give up just because he's a good defender. But it's not going to fix everything. It'll help. Um, and, like, they really need a defender. He, ha- he does dress as a major issue, so it's fine. Yeah, I do think they still need a, a midfielder that can hold up play in front of them. Um, but obviously this does improve them. Just a weird Liverpool defensive stat. Uh, they actually have the best home defense in the Premier League thus far this season, but have the 17th placed away defense, 
which is just strange. I don't know if that's a concentration thing, and I think that probably deserves its own conversation at some point, uh, just because it's kind of insane that they could be that far away, um, depending on where they're playing. It's it's like their whole defense is Jorginho Wijnaldum. It's a joke that some people might get. Um, but, yeah, no, uh, Virgil van Dijk is obviously an incredible center back. Um, up until this season, he was easily top five in the Premier League at the position. Has not really showed up ever since uh, he came back into the Southampton side, uh, although there are a lot of issues there as well. Um, but I, I think we'll see him get back to his best at Liverpool. I don't know what the intended pairing is there. I would assume it's him and Matip. Um, Matip's decent. I don't. Matip's yeah, I don't fine. mind him. He is an, he is an yeah. incredible C plus of a player. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll give him B minus, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Well, he he's just very stable. But, yeah. the, the things that he misses he's... are because of issues with pace or, well, <laughs> I was going to say ability, but that's quite rude. Um, he, he he basically plays pretty much as well as he can most weeks. Just the 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 ceiling isn't that high on his talent. Um, but yeah, I, I assume... that Lovren over the floor is like the middle of the earth. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, I think it's obviously a, a good signing. And uh, d- just to kind of bring it back to you guys, I assume that we're kind of in this post-Neymar period where price doesn't really matter to people anymore, that as long as you get a player that's going to help your squad, it doesn't matter that it's $75 million. I think so, yeah. I mean... To go back to City, when they spent, what was it, 50 million on Kyle Walker? Yeah. People were saying that was a ridiculous amount of money. And yeah, it was. But they needed a new fullback. They needed a fullback who can get up and down, provide could a wave. down Zaha like he did today. Just basically yeah. took him out of the game. Yeah. And um, and also, is capable of playing as a fullback or a wingback and to be versatile in that way. And Kyle Walker was one of the few players who ticked those boxes. The fact that he was English as well pushes the price tag up. We know all about the English premium. Um, and you can so, like, get City specifically for it because they struggled to meet the homegrown requirements as well. Yeah, it, it was a lot of money, but I think City's results and Walker's form have shown that it wasn't really that ridiculous. Um, for Liverpool, if Van Dijk does sort out their defence, £75 million will seem like a good deal if he can help them compete for titles and and win a cup or something, that will, will feel like a good deal. I think also there's probably a little bit of Liverpool well aware that they're likely to receive an awful lot of money for Philippe Coutinho at some point, whether that is in the January transfer window or at the end of the season when they're going to spend a lot of money on Naby Keita as well. Um, so I think they've, they've been a bit clever in a way in that they know that money's coming so they can account for that and better to spend some of it before it comes rather than afterwards when everyone knows they've got 120 million or whatever it is Coutinho goes for in the end. Yeah. In terms of fees in general, I think we should act like the Neymar one doesn't exist. Um, That's more of a general thing, though. I 75 mil is probably too much for Van Dyke. It's fine. Like like Jamie said, they're going to get a lot of money for... Uh, they might get a lot of money for Coutinho, but <laughs> we don't know he's leaving. Yeah, Air quotes. Um, yeah, air quotes. Lots of air quotes. All the air quotes. Um, they're going to get a lot of money. He addresses about as big a need. Well, you could argue goalkeepers more, but they're not going to. Goalkeepers don't go for that much money, so it's a big need. It's not great, but it's fine. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree that kind of regardless of price, it fixed the need. And right now, prices are just ridiculous. Like um, I saw a poll. Uh, you know when you see somebody post a poll and you know it's like intentional. 
Like it's it's skewed a certain way. I saw a Tottenham yeah. site asking, would you rather have Davinson Sanchez for 42 or Virgil van Dijk for 75? And I just kind of in that moment realized how <laughs> dumb a conversation that is. Um, <clears throat> I, I do think that in, in this era, it's not really worth bringing up anymore. That if a team is willing to pay it, that's what they're worth. Um, and I just feel like that's kind of the era we're in now. I do think it'll start coming back to normal somewhat soon. I don't think this is just a, a line that's going to continue to trend upwards. Um, the bubble is going to burst eventually, but yeah, when, it, until it, it does, the, like the yeah. whole thing of Wenger misjudged the bubble badly because, and because you see him three, four years ago, like this is too much for a player. And at the time that would have been correct. But now you look at that price three years later. Like, Oh, we really should have spent that. Oh, oh yeah. That would have been worth it. Yeah, for sure. Um, on the Coutinho thing, we don't really have a lot of information. Both of you kind of alluded to it. Uh, for those that don't know, on Nike's website, in many, many different language versions of their website, uh, <clears throat> seemed to announce that Coutinho was going to be joining Barcelona. I assume we all think it's going to happen inevitably, but this was just kind of a strange occurrence. I think so, yeah. I mean, that the Nike have, have prepared something on Coutinho doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Um, as a big commercial partner of Liverpool, they may well have more information than you or I do. But just because they're prepared for something that might happen doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. Um, all the big newspapers, all the big football websites will be preparing stuff for Coutinho to Barcelona on the presumption that it's going to happen, not necessarily knowing that it's going to happen. So I think... The Nike thing has maybe been blown out of proportion a bit too much, but it's understandable that it gave people a way to talk about that deal. Um, I think it would be very difficult for Coutinho to turn down Barcelona. I think he made it clear in the summer, um, in as much as what he didn't say, as much as what he did, the fact that he was so silent about it, never came out and said, I want to stay at Liverpool, my future's here, I'm committed to the club. He said nothing like that. I think that was a pretty clear sign that he wants to go to Barcelona. South American players often see Barcelona as the peak. He's at the sort of age now where if he's going to get that move to one of the top three, top five clubs in the world, this is the time when he needs to do it. Barcelona have a gaping need for a player like Coutinho in their midfield at the moment. So it feels like a natural time for him to go there and be the sort of successor to Andres Iniesta that Barcelona so need. Whether it happens in January or at the end of the season, I think that's harder to predict. Liverpool will obviously be desperate to keep hold of him to try and ensure that they stay in the Champions League and go as far as they can in this season's Champions League. You very rarely see deals of this magnitude done in the January transfer window. So I wouldn't be surprised at all if it was in the end of the season. Or, in fact, if the clubs had an agreement that it will be done at the end of the season, but if it was effectively done at this point with Coutinho well aware that he will be going to Barcelona. Yeah, it'll happen eventually. Um It'd be really funny if this is just some Nike employee who's just like quit or moved on and just trolling <laughs> everyone. That would be the best case scenario, really. Uh, but yeah, um, you don't see deals like this happen very often, but you also don't see deals like Van Dyke happen very often. Um, it would be really weird to see it to see him move in January, but I also don't. I feel like Liverpool wouldn't want to sit on having spent all this money and not getting Coutinho 
gone immediately and getting that money back immediately. Mm. But I, yeah. I have no I idea think, what's going to happen. I think the important like, factor as well is that although Coutinho wants to go to Barcelona, I don't think that's in doubt. The fact that he's, he, he has knuckled down this season and got on with it. He's captain Liverpool in recent games and done an excellent job. Continues to lead by example, play very, very well. I think the difference with Van Dijk was oh, yeah. he went public, didn't he, and said, I want to go, I need to move on for the good of my career, all this stuff, put in the transfer request. It was all very public and messy. The fact that Pellegrino had left him out in the last few weeks was a pretty clear sign that was going to happen. I think it would be relatively easy for Liverpool to keep Coutinho as it is at the moment, but I do think it will be sort of a gentleman's agreement type thing that Coutinho can go to Barcelona and I, I wouldn't be surprised even if it was announced in January mm. um, with a view to it going through at the end of the season. Yeah, I totally agree. And Jamie, I love your point on uh, the fact that as a multi-billion dollar international company, they probably so, are already just working on that content to release it when it needs to do, yeah, whether yeah, it be definitely. graphics or just articles, anything like that, that then they can just push whenever it happens. I think what happened in this instance is just somebody hit publish and <laughs> probably doesn't work there anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with you guys. I think it's a bit of, of an inevitability, uh, but I, th- I think that's all that happened was just somebody was told to prepare something and then they clicked publish instead of save or something. And uh, now here we are. It's um, so funny that something like that could happen just because someone actually hit the wrong button. But yeah, right. And again, I don't know that. It just seems yeah, like. But they know it totally does seem like that. Yeah. Or, or they maybe it was like a schedule, or they actually scheduled it, and didn't realize, or something. Just yeah. an accident. Yep. Uh, all right, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back with questions for each of our guests. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. All right, and we are back. Uh, Jamie Burnley, obviously still in seventh, still in the top half. Uh, a lot of people have been saying eventually the regression will be coming. I think the Robbie Brady injury was an easy point for people to say it's going to go downhill from here, but I think Good Munson's done an incredible job uh, kind of filling that creative void. Like I said, sat seventh. Um, I don't really see a reason why you can't maintain this. Is that kind of how Burnley fans are viewing your recent successes as well? I think so. Um, even though we're in the second half of the season now, I, I still think there is a lot of just enjoy it while it lasts about it. I think Burnley fans accept that to be seventh in the Premier League is amazing. So we've gone fourth in the Premier League a few weeks ago after beating Stoke with other teams in action later was amazing. Everything that's happening is absolutely amazing. Um, but at some point there will be a dip. Um, after we drew at Huddersfield in our last game, I saw reports that referred to a four-game winless run, which I thought was <laughs> hilarious because <laughs> it's true. But we'd also gone to Manchester United and got a point a few days earlier. So um, you can spin results and these runs any way you want, really. Um, I think for me, you look at a lot of teams in the league and there is a gap, a chasm, really, after the top six now. Everton were the team everyone expected to be 
the bridge like they were last season when they were in that little mini league all on their own. Um, and that hasn't happened, although I expect Sam Allardyce will get them into that sort of position over the course of the season. Um, but yeah, the, the target certainly has to be top half. Watford are 10th and Watford are terrible. <laughs> They've taken four points from eight games or something. Everton really are currently in ninth, which is yeah, funny. And that, been I didn't realise. For two months, Watford, basically since the Marco Silva to Everton stuff was all kicking off. And they're still in the top half, so we should really be aiming to finish 10th or above, I think. And that would be a, a sensational achievement for a club the size of Burnley on the resources that Burnley have. It would just be tremendous. And to be honest, you, you've got to look at the potential of a club the size of Burnley. The owners aren't millionaires, billionaires like every other owner in the Premier League. This might be as good as it gets, so we have to enjoy it while it lasts. But hopefully this ride's got a little bit further to go. Yeah, and the the significance of finishing, you know, top 10 versus if you had finished 14th or something like that can be like 10 plus million pounds, which could be a new player or new uh, facilities or anything like that. So uh, obviously there's also a financial benefit to how well you've been playing. Um, Would you like to speak on Good Munson a little bit? Obviously he's been doing a bit more of the set piece duty and everything. uh, And I know people on the, the fantasy side of the coin I have been very impressed thus far. Yeah, I've always been a fan of Good Munson, and I think he started the season well. Um, he was producing assists. I think he had a run of three games in a row where he had an assist, but maybe the overall performance wasn't quite there. You're absolutely right to highlight that he has stepped up in, in Brady's absence. He's really thrived on, I think, the extra creative responsibility. Um, if Scott Arfield coming in on the other side, he doesn't really offer that sort of directness, maybe not as much goal threat, certainly not as much of a danger from set pieces. So he certainly offers a lot in that sort of area. Um, but I still think there's more to come from Goodmanson as well. I don't think he's scored in the Premier League this season, but he has a very dangerous shot. He can test goalkeepers with either foot. He's a, a free kick expert as well. He should be. He should be probably targeting five, six goals over the course of the season. So for him to have not scored yet, I think is an obvious area of improvement. But I think the form of Goodmanson probably does mean that we don't have to rush into trying to replace Brady. Brady's probably not going to play again this season. I think everyone expects that it's going to be a case of getting him ready to start next season. Um, But yeah, it means that we don't have to panic and think, oh, we need to sign a winger. A winger would be great in the January transfer window, but I don't think it's a must. Good Munson's obviously building up towards the World Cup, where hopefully he'll have a, a really good campaign with Iceland. They were the surprise package at the Euros, obviously beat England, and I think they've got potential to do something similar again in Russia. Yeah, we'll definitely be interesting to watch uh, Iceland, and specifically his performance uh, come Russia in the summer. Um, Dan, coming to you now, what have you made of Lacazette's season thus far? Because eight goals at the halfway point is certainly not bad by any stretch. But were you expecting more when you signed him? Um, Probably. Like, he's been fine. He's clearly been in no... Wenger uh, does not trust his fitness to play 90 minutes, very clearly. Um, And he's been annoyed at that. Uh, he's come off after 70 minutes in most games this season, which is a thing. Um, So I'm sure his per 90 numbers look slightly better than his per game numbers. But yeah, um, seven non-penalty goals isn't great. But I also haven't been that disappointed with him. 
Um, is this a case where the performances are there even if the goals aren't? The performances are like, you know, in the range of acceptable possibilities, it's probably at the bottom of the acceptable possibilities, but still in the acceptable possibilities. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like that. And like he's got a few assists as well. He's been good, not great. Like so, it's maybe I was expecting a bit more, but I'm not to the point. Like, what is this? I'm disappointed. And he's looked good. Like he's probably looked as good, if not better, in terms of long term um, prospects than I thought he would be when signing him. But his so far his output has been fine, but not great. Yeah. Um, then unfortunately the, uh, (laughs) Jamie and I actually were talking about this on Twitter earlier today, uh, with the injuries to Gabriel Jesus and Kevin De Bruyne and with, uh, Leroy Sané kind of disappointing, uh, it looks like everybody's going to start hopping back on the Alexis to Manchester City train. Uh, how likely do you think it is that Alexis could move in January, knowing that we already discussed how rarely moves this big happen in January and what would Arsenal do to replace him? I have no idea. Um, I really have no idea how likely it is. If we sell him for anything less than fifty million, I'm going to be pissed because at that I know the it's obviously going to change now. City will likely up the ante with Jesus and uh, De Bruyne hurt, but I know there were rumors in like November or October floating around that we'd flog him for twenty mil, and that would be so so stupid because that essentially forfeits any chance of Champions League. 20 million pounds, and that's so not worth. Right, because um, the Champions League money would be worth more than that. Yeah, and like I know it's not guaranteed by any stretch, but you may as well go for it. And even more than the money, like it's easier to attract players when you're in the Champions League. But anything less than 40, 50 mil, and we're idiots. But we've been idiots for like two or three years, so we might just be idiots. Mm. So, <laughs> um, as far as replacing him, I don't know that either. Especially like Ozil. Replacing him, you can at least kind of say Awobi is kind of in that vein of player, even if he's nowhere near as good. Um, like nowhere, nowhere near. But Alexis, there's not even, we, since we're going to sell Theo Walcott, we don't really have a goal scoring winger, um, outside of Alexis. So I don't know what we do to replace him internally. Uh, we haven't been linked to anyone for January. Obviously, if we sell Alexis, links will start popping up, but, Actually, that's not true. We have been linked to one person, Lozano from PSV, who is supposed to be very good, and that'd be cool. Uh, I'd be cool with that. That's about to be fine by me. But, um, you know, we've been linked in, like, twice. Mm. I, not very concrete things. Um, I don't really expect him to go, but the whole Jesus de Bruyne the thing could change things. But if I, if I had to, put, like, say, give an answer, I'd expect him not to go. You know, what do I know? It'll definitely be an interesting one to watch here during uh, the January window. Although, as we've already mentioned a few times, the January window tends to be a lot slower than um, certain big media corporations may have you believe. Uh, but we yep. will obviously see uh, how much movement happens. And if somebody like Alexis were to go in the move, uh, we'll have obviously cover that when it happens. Uh, if we spend you're... $80 million on Thomas Lamar like we were linked to him this summer, <laughs> I'll be very unhappy at that too. Yeah, I mean, it does kind of seem like you're obsessed with Lamar the way Liverpool were with Van Dyke, um, and then ended up just being willing to pay whatever to get it across the line. Uh, God, no. <laughs> do uh, either of you have any Tottenham-related questions? Just on Kane, there's obviously a lot of talk about the Premier League record. Do you think that's, that's 
realistic? Do you think he's going to stay at Spurs as well? Obviously, constant speculation linking him with anyone, really. Mm. But he has said that he wants to stay at Spurs. Yeah, I mean, if if he stays at Tottenham, I think he has a chance. Um, just because I think we we would build teams around him um, instead of him kind of being a part of of uh, a group of attacking players. Like if if he was at Liverpool, right? You have so many other players like Salah and Mane and Coutinho. For me, there are so many mouths to feed there. Um, whereas at Tottenham, the second biggest mouth to feed is Ericsson, and his job is to give it to Kane in the first place. Um, so if he stayed at Tottenham, I, I think there is a chance. Uh, I think he would still have to average like 26-plus goals per season, basically until he retired to do it, um, which seems unsustainable, but considering what he's done thus far, uh, definitely not outside the realm of possibility. Um, I think it's great the relationship he's fostered with Alan Shearer, uh, and then to to lesser extent, um, some of the former Tottenham strikers, currently uh, Wayne Rooney as well, uh, who kind of like mentored him when when they were with England together. It seems like he has everything he needs to get there. Um, he he has the right internal drive, and I think he has the right amount of external um, pressure. Isn't really the right word, um, but external uh, validation to kind of urge him forward. Um, so yeah, I think he can do it. If that, remember, that's all if he stays, which I think he will. But he might not. Obviously, some something could turn quickly, like. Raphael van der Vaart loved being at Tottenham. He left and said it was his biggest regret, but just a series of things happened at the same time where we brought in Sigurdsson, we changed manager, uh, and then the new manager said Sigurdsson should start over van der Vaart, and then his wife moved to Germany, and then like two weeks later he was gone. So like, so like stuff like that can always happen. If we missed the Champions League for like two years in a row, uh, obviously questions would start to be asked, although we, we did deal with that with Hugo Lloris, um, and he initially said if we ever missed, he'd leave. Uh, but by the time we did start missing, he had kind of already become a part of the club and then chose to stay. And obviously he has a very close relationship with Pochettino now. Um, so I, I think he will stay. <laughs> I mean, I just realized this is a very unhelpful response. I think he will <laughs> stay, but there's always, you know, there's always a chance something happens that draws yeah. him away. Maybe. That has to be a concern. Top four is going to be the big mm. thing, isn't it, for this yeah. season? And there's a lot of talk about Mourinho at the moment. Pochettino would presumably be. The target. Oh, Manchester United, United if that left. job came up. Yeah, true. And and I do think if Pochettino leaves, he would take some of these players. Um, something that I've long kind of imagined is that eventually Pochettino takes the PSG job, considering he played there, takes Hugo with him, and then Hugo obviously gets to kind of be the captain of PSG. Um, but yeah, all of that could happen. I do. It, this is a very tenuous um, potential dynasty or dynasty uh, that we're building at Tottenham. If they all stayed, we could be one of the better teams in England for about a decade. But yeah. will that happen? Uh, and that's hard also, to say. You guys need to start players more. Oh, um, yeah, immediately. Like yeah. Or, uh, I was or, just talking about this with well, the Van I mean, Dyke deal. Continuing the Jedi mind tricks would also work. Because <laughs> Kane's on 110 a week, and he's the highest paid player. It's technically, it's technically 100 with bonuses. Um, that's really stupid. It is. It really like, is. Um, it's, uh, yeah, we, we I, do need to start paying people. Like Van Dyke walks into Liverpool at 180K, which is double what Toby Alderweireld's on. Like, that's a problem. Um, yeah, no, I don't know how you guys are getting away with it, but yeah. you guys are criminally underpaying pretty much everyone in your squad. Unless very, there's someone, 
Like it's crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's true. poor guys having to live on a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> true. Hey, but what if you were going like Harry Kane's market value is probably like two fifty, and yeah, he's getting less right. than half of that. It just feels ludicrous, doesn't it? So, oh, poor <laughs> it Harry Kane, only hundred thousand. Uh, much like a lot of things in this industry, once you start to deconstruct them, they do appear yeah, very, yeah, very yeah. silly. Um, <laughs> but uh, right. yeah, no. Imagine. I, Take imagine if you were getting paid like less than half of what you were worth. Like you're yeah, not like this. If, right. if you realized it, which I'm not sure Hurricane does. But, <laughs> well, <laughs> then you get a player that does realize it, like Danny Rose, because he's yeah. friends with Kyle I, Walker. Like, he also wants to move no closer to the north. With that. How much yeah. is he on? Oh, Danny Rose on seventy ish. Yeah, that's not a lot. He's I mean, he's not a great year, but he's a good fullback. And yeah, at this and he point, saw Walker leave and make one fifty, just yeah, because wait. he kind of was frustrated with three months of play. Um, yeah, but yeah, I like, agree with you. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll re-rank those. The three most destabilizing things that could happen at Tottenham. One is Pochettino leaving. Two is never increasing our wage gap and then just continually trying to find young talent to fill the void of the players leaving as they seek, uh, bigger and better things, whether it be financially or, or professional success wise, uh, you know, as we continue to have not won trophies. And then specifically, if a player were to leave that would be devastating, it would be Kane. Like, Toby leaving would be bad. We've seen our defense without it this year. But Davinson is obviously the long term fill in. Hugo really has not been himself, uh, this first half of the season. So I think there are, there are close enough replacement level players out there. I think Dell is about to leave anyway. Um, but you can find attacking midfielders. So if Erickson leaves, you have somebody like that. Um, so I think just about everybody in this squad is largely replaceable for value. Um, but Kane, obviously, th- there will likely not be another player like Harry Kane uh, in Tottenham history of a player that came through at this level that so quickly has cemented himself uh, among some of the greats in European football at the time. Um, I know that everybody's having the is he world-class or is he not thing. Uh, for me, I think that's kind of been decided um, – in this if your definition of world class isn't ridiculous, then yes, he is. Right, exactly. If it's not like I mean, the whole first eleven in the world thing, then he is. Right. I mean, eighteen goals in a half season is insane. Eighteen goals is what strikers hope to do, right? Like you want eighteen to twenty, and he's done it in half a season, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but anyway, so yeah, uh, Jamie, to answer your actual question, Kane, I do think he can reach the record if he stays at Tottenham. If he stays at Tottenham, I think was the. Very correct and unanswerable, unfortunately, question. All right, now we are going to head into Player Watch. We're going to talk about the player at your club that you think will have the biggest impact in 2018. We'll lead in with you, Jamie. Yeah, it's a difficult one, this, for Burnley, because I think so many of the players are already performing basically at the top of their ability. Um, but we probably would have said that a year ago, and they've found new levels, some of them, so... Yeah, it is difficult. Um, James Tarkovsky is probably the player that we've seen have the most improvement over the last six months um, to the extent that he's now being talked of as getting an England call-up. Talk of clubs like Everton, um, Arsenal, I think, being interested at sort of £30 million, uh, which is insane, really, for a player that we paid £3 million for two years ago, I think, so... Tarkovsky's one that's certainly going to be worth keeping an eye on. I think we have missed him in the last couple of games where he's been suspended through his own stupidity, to be fair. And I think that was a, a sign of, of where he still needs to develop a bit in, a, in terms of maturity and experience and knowing when a strike is trying to wind you up, basically. I think that was a mistake that 
he maybe should only make one, so I'd be disappointed if he did something like that again. Um, but I think there's a, there's a lot of potential to come from Chris Wood as well. We paid club record fee for him, fifteen million, which might not seem a lot to a lot of people, but it's an awful lot of money to Burnley still. Um, and he's done okay, I think, for a player playing in the Premier League for the first time. Really, he's had the odd chance at playing in the Premier League, but not really been given an extended run. Um, but he's had a couple of niggly little injuries that have taken him in and out of the team. The fact that he's New Zealand international, I think, is a slight problem, especially in the first half of the season where you've got an international break every month. He's got to do all that travelling and to come back and then play in a Premier League game on a Saturday when you've maybe been playing for New Zealand on a Tuesday and you've got that journey to make, I think it's very, very difficult. Um, so luckily, the, the second half of the season, I don't think he'll go. I'd be surprised if he even went to play for New Zealand in the, the March break, to be honest, since they haven't qualified for the World Cup. There's no reason for him to do that when he's their star player. Um, so hopefully he'll be able to stay fit and injury-free. And I think he, he has a lot more to give us. He scored four goals, I think, in the Premier League, only one of those since October. So he's not been in, in great form. But like I say, he has had injuries. He's been in and out of the team. But I think he has... There's much more to come from Chris Ward, I think. By the time he's fully settled into the team, I think he is a striker who can get certainly double figures in, in terms of a whole season, maybe as many as 15 if he was in a team that created more chances for him. Um, so I'm excited to see what, what there is to come from Chris Wood because I, I don't think we've seen anything like as much as, as we could have from him. But there's players throughout the squad, really. I think one of the, the only weaknesses from Burnley in the last couple of years is that we haven't really developed any of our own players. I'd really like to see us do that, but there's no one really obvious that I'm aware of pushing to do that, so it is going to be a case of squeezing everything we can out of the players we've got. I think Wood's a player that can do that. Stephen Defoe's shown this season that he's really far too good for Burnley. I don't think it's any any surprise at all that he's started every league game this season, I think, and Burnley is seventh in the league, whereas last season he was very much on the fringes. Dash seemed to lose a bit of faith in him for whatever reason over the second half of the season. That's when our results started to dip a bit. So, to keep the fourth front and centre, I think, is really important if we are going to finish in the top half and maybe try and get that seventh place and to maybe get a few more goals out of Chris Wood. I think that's going to be really important too. Yeah, and Dan, for Arsenal, who do you think is going to be super important in the new year? Depends who's still here. Um, <laughs> that's, for, for some people, that may sound like a joke answer, but a little bit. It's kinda. not. <laughs> it's really not. Um if we're talking about whole year, it really does depend who's still here. If we're talking about the second half of the season, I can't see Ozil leaving in January, so it's probably him. Um, but our three most important players right now are Ozil, Ramsey, and Alexis. Um, we talked, we addressed Alexis' situation earlier. Um, I don't think Ozil will leave now. He'll either re-up or leave on a free in the summer. Uh, I'd say the latter is probably more likely, sadly. But um, I don't see him leaving now. And Ramsey was playing so well, and then two people wrote articles about him and broke him. <laughs> and now he's hurt. Um, and he's had muscle problems in the past, obviously. Um, but when he's, he's fit, he's good and very, very important, especially in the um, 3-4-3 setup, because with Xhaka, you need... With the, with the extra guy in defense, 
you need an extra guy running from midfield to kind of make runs beyond and make it hard to defend. And no, none of the front three really do that. Laxa does some, but Ramsey's presence and runs from deep are really, really helpful and something no one else can provide. And he's, he's quite important, especially in this setup. I'm yeah. still going to go with Ozil, though, if we're going to pick a name, because I'm, I'm more certain he's going to be here for the rest of the season than Alexis. Mm. And if we're talking to all of 2018, I really have no idea, because I don't know who's going to be here. Yeah, I just realized in topics I probably should have brought up uh, somebody else as well who we can just throw into the back end of this. Uh, Jack Wilshere, what is that now, three starts out of the last four? Four. Four? Um, no, five. Five. Five, I think. Wow. It's either four or five. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, considering his injury record and the fact that he wasn't playing for Bournemouth the second half of last season, really. Yeah. What what do you what do you make of his return both to Arsenal and to the starting eleven? He's there by necessity. I don't think that's, I don't think he's that good, but he's, so you're he's saying fine. The, the, he, the the dark corners of the Arsenal Twitter saying that he should get a trip to Russia in the summer are uh, premature, if not incorrect. Probably. Um, what are England's midfield options again? That's the problem. That's, that's the <laughs> only reason like it's possible. But mm. uh, I'm not, no. The only reason it's possible is because his name is Jack Wilshere. But um, the only reason it could like should happen. Um, but I don't. And he really doesn't have the legs. Like he's. I mean, he, his fitness may build up if he continues to play consistently, and that may he may find legs by playing a lot or it may just be oh he's had so many injuries his legs just aren't there to yeah, play random down yeah I, and there's not that much burst um he had but one really nice ball for alexis against palace but yeah that was a beautiful been, lofted through ball yeah that was nice um but yeah i, I don't know i i don't know what he does he doesn't do a lot he's just kind of it's kind of jack wilshering uh, <laughs> he's fine He's there by necessity. Like if when the Ramsey comes back, I want him out immediately. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's just there. All right. Um, for Tottenham, I think it's uh, Toby Alderweireld uh, because we've seen we very much struggle to keep clean sheets uh, without him in there. Um, the return of Davinson has helped a lot because it's allowed Dyer to move back to the midfield to do, to help up there. Obviously, Wanyama's return up there will be very important. But Toby Alderweireld is a uh, regardless of what your classification of world-class center back is, uh, he's in that that bracket, um, and we we have sorely missed him. Jan Vertonghen has really stepped up this year. Um, I think he he did well last year as well. But Toby's first year, Jan was clearly like a step off uh, of that pace. But Toby is so so important to us, um, and kind of as uh, was being said before about Alexis. Um, Toby could basically decide how our 2018 goes because uh, of his current contract situation. If we don't extend him, uh, the impact that he'll have on Tottenham that will be huge would be him potentially moving on. Um, we already do have his long-term replacement in-house, as I mentioned before, uh, with Davinson Sanchez, um, who is already far better than I expected him to be this year, but is also far behind where Toby Alderweireld is uh, ability-wise. Um, but yeah, I think getting him back around February is going to be huge. Obviously that period for us is incredible. If memory serves, we have Liverpool, United, Arsenal, and then Juventus twice, um, to start February, uh, which is a difficult run of fixtures, much like our November was, um, where we had Liverpool and United and, uh, Real Madrid twice. So hopefully, um, he'll, he'll be able to, to impact the team that I know he can, uh, and hopefully we sort out his contract situation. But uh, of all the players 
that I think aren't contributing right now. Toby is definitely the biggest one. The other one is obviously Harry Kane, but I, I feel like that's way too cheap of an answer to give here. All right, uh, and we will wrap up with uh, match previews. <laughs> obviously, very quick turnaround uh, to the uh, New Year's Day matches. We'll start off with you, Jamie, talking about Burnley versus Liverpool. Your home record has been very good, except for one particular recent result, uh, cough. How do you think you'll fare <laughs> against Liverpool? Uh, yeah, it's an interesting one, this, I think. Um, there's told that Mo Salah is going to be a doubt. I think that's useful for us. Liverpool will probably rotate more than Burnley. I don't think that's a particularly wild suggestion, given that we haven't rotated at all over Christmas. Um, and yet it still seems to be getting results. Weird how we don't need to rotate, but everyone else has to make half a dozen changes every game. Um, anyway, so hopefully Liverpool will be a bit destabilised by however many changes they make. It'd be nice if Salah didn't play, if Coutinho didn't play. Mane didn't play. <laughs> don't play any of that good players. Give us a bit of they chance. just don't play anyone and give you free yeah, shots at goal yeah, the entire time. Oh, it's just you know, Mignolet versus Burnley. <laughs> but I think we can cause some problems. Um, is, is Van Dijk eligible? Could he go straight in? I think he can, can't yeah. he? Because it's New Year's Day. So presumably he'll go straight in. There's no reason for him not to. But it's always difficult when you play your first game and... You've got new teammates, a new system, new ways of doing things. So I think there's going to be a big spotlight on him as well, obviously, because of the fees under a lot of pressure. Um, so I think it's a good time to play them, really, especially if Salah can't play. He's obviously carried them a little bit with his goals this season. Um, and I think we've, we've demonstrated that we can cause the big teams a lot of problems. We won at Chelsea on the opening day. We've got a draw at Manchester United, one at Everton. So... Yeah, there's only really Spurs and City that have, have demonstrated that they are much better than us. Um, I think Liverpool away, Kev mentioned as well, defensively, not got a good record away from mm. home at all. So I think we have to be confident that we can get something. It sounds ridiculous to talk about being confident at getting something against Liverpool, but I think we do have a decent chance. And if we are going to try and get a seventh and hope that that gets into Europe because of who wins the Cups and however it plays out at the end of the season. This is the sort of game where we are going to have to demonstrate that we are good enough to do that, I suppose. Um, but I think it should be a good game. Burnley maybe. I think the danger with not rotating is that the players maybe tire a little bit. Um, but I think we've demonstrated that we are extremely fit as a unit. I don't think it's going to be too damaging for us to have played those games in such a quick turnaround. And I do think it, it gives us a chance that, that Liverpool are going to rotate quite heavily. Plus, as I said earlier, whichever goalkeeper plays, I think they've got big potential to make a goal-costing mistake. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get a point, certainly. Uh, yeah, then it'll be uh, Swansea versus Tottenham. The big question mark heading into this one is Harry Kane's uh, illness which was reported uh, at the Friday press conference by Mauricio Pochettino. I personally think there's a little question mark around this. I think maybe we needed to rest him and just felt we needed an excuse to do so. Uh, I think playing Lorente against Swansea would be an interesting uh, shout, obviously considering his year there uh, last season where he scored 15 goals for them. Um, If he does play, obviously our chances of winning go up significantly. Uh, but you would think we would have enough talent to beat them. Although, uh, they did have a very nice comeback win against Watford in, in their first match with Carvajal in charge. Um, and uh, I don't 
know if you guys uh, had seen this stat or if we've talked about it on the show before, but uh, the new manager bounce typically actually happens in the second match at a club, not the first one. Um, so hopefully they got it out of the way. But, uh, you know, there's absolutely a chance for a trap game here. They obviously held us to nil um, in a nil-nil draw at Wembley in our first match against them this season. Um, so they're certainly capable of it. I think their defense is much better than people expect um, just based on their <laughs> – Man, this is also rude based on their overall talent level at the at the back there. Um, but yeah, it'll be an interesting one. Uh, hopefully, we can uh, pick up the win. I think Sun will continue to get minutes. I think he's done very well. Della Ali is finally finding form. It only took him about 17 match weeks before he really started going in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, it should be good. Wanyama, a chance that he starts uh, against uh, Swansea. But my assumption is it'll actually be Dyer in this one. And then it'll be Wanyama against West Ham, which is on Thursday, which I'm not going to preview because kind of need to see what happens in this one first. Um, but yeah, I, I, in, entirely a chance for this to be a trap game. I'll say we win something like 2-1 because we can't keep clean sheets right now. Uh, but entirely could go... Uh, the other way if they turn up and we don't. Um, we'll wrap up here with you, Dan. Uh, Arsenal versus Chelsea, probably the biggest match uh, in this quote-unquote game week. Um, what are you thinking about this one heading into it? I am not confident. Um, Chelsea are an extra day of rest. They had a half a game against Stoke. Um, yeah. We lost Kolasinic and Koscielny today due to injury. Ramsey and Monreal aren't expected back. Ozil's a doubt with his whole little knee thing. I kind of expected him to play, but I I don't know. He's a doubt. Um, yeah, uh, and yeah, that's just a lot of players missing. Quite frankly, that's it's if assuming we'll say we'll assume Ozil plays, but even if he does play, that's Ramsey, Monreal, Kalasinich, and Koscielny, four of our eleven normal starters out against Chelsea, who are on an extra day's day rest and are in better form overall, I'm not confident. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll hope we draw, because we are at home. We have a very good home record. Um, only one loss, one draw, and that loss was so infuriating and so not deserved. Um, so, we're very good at home, so that's the saving grace, but we are missing a lot of players and are going to be more tired, so that's not good. Yeah. Um, well, you know, hopefully you draw. That's that's the stance of this commentator. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, that'll do it for us today. So if you guys would like to tell folks where they can find you, now would be a good time. Yeah, I've been Jamie Smith. I'm a football writer for Omnisport. You can follow me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sports and read my stuff on MSN, AOL, all the usual places. Yep, I'm Dan, Arsenal fan. You can still follow me on Twitter at the underscore jersey underscore fits. Yeah, and I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, at Kevroff on Twitter. Be sure to check out the Premier League and Championship shows on this very channel. And also, I write fantasy content over at Goal.com, so be sure to check that out if it uh, tickles your fancy. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. Happy New Year again to those listening at home and to you two uh, who are joining me here. And we'll catch you next time. Thank you. 
Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.